Well, we're diving back into this exciting conversation to me about rest and rhythms and boundaries and uh, continuing to explore what what is the relationship between rest and the spiritual formation of Christ in our lives. So we're joined uh, again, like we were last time with Steve Brown. Hi, Steve. Hey. And uh, my co-host, JM. Hello. Okay. Well, let's dive back in. Like when I rested, I'll sleep and I'll stay in my room and I'll read and I might come down for a meal. When my wife rested, she's on the phone talking to everybody that she knows. She's watching TV, uh, maybe a podcast on her phone. She's had a great day. Hmm. One day on our trip, I stayed in my room and she visited all of her friends in town where, where she grew up. And we both were energized at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, I have a friend who is very much uh, extroverted and is an Enneagram seven for people know that language. And so, yeah, he, he talks about, I don't, I don't like Lent. I don't like to give up anything. And so he's always thinking, how can this Lent season, how can we add something? How can we do something? And so he's, you know, he's looking at that and and it's going, it's a wiring thing. It really is on how that works. I, I think it's helpful for people as they become more self-aware of how has God made them. Mm. Mm. So like uh, some people have, if you talk about spiritual gifts, uh, the gift of mercy, some people are quite energized when they can interact with people on an emotional level. Some people who maybe have the gift of teaching love to study and that energizes them. Others, if they if gift of exhortation, it's a matter of when I get a chance to, uh, exhort someone to comfort someone, I feel energized mm. through through that. So even being in touch with our spiritual gifts. Uh, Strength Finder, Clifton Strengths is a big uh, assessment tool these days. Enneagram, mm-hmm. understanding what Enneagram you are and where what your <clears throat> motives are and what energizes you from an Enneagram per- perspective is very helpful to know. Yeah, a friend of mine has one of my favorite definitions that we've shared before of of spiritual formation and that is uh, spiritual formation is a journey of discovery of who I am as much as it is of me discovering who God is. Yes. That really that sense of when I begin to see how God has created me that 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 helps me understand him more and and begin to lean into some things. Now, uh so one of the things that you mentioned is that extroverts have to find ways to sort of uh, take these, these practices. And one of the things Thomas and I talked about is that most of these spiritual formation practices are about carving out sacred space in our lives to interact with God, whether that is through the practice of prayer or through the practice of Sabbath, you know, the, you know, of rest, like we're talking about here. Um, one of the tools that I, I'm, I, uh, my, the back of my neck was itching when you were talking about being sequestered for a week. I think your wife and I would definitely, uh, get along. I am, um, an extrovert's extrovert as my wife says. And so one of the things that, uh, I've been doing with a friend of mine, um, I picked it up at, at seminary. It was, they called it RPMs. And basically it's a check-in with another friend. Um, in this case, kind of taking our private practices and community, bringing them into community with somebody else. And so the reason they called them RPMs were uh, you check in on each other's relationships, physical health, mental health and development, and then spiritual life. And so really we have a, we have a series of questions that we just sort of every 
two to three months, we we set aside an hour because it takes about an hour to you know, open in prayer, go through one person's, you know, life and then go through the other person's life and then close in prayer. That's a tool that's been very helpful for me. What are some other ones that you could maybe help us extroverts who are listening to this, who are like, I know that I need to do all of this. And I know that in, in, in practicing this, I'm going to be drawn closer to God, but it feels like I'm cutting myself off from people. I think the idea of intimacy came to mind as, as you shared for many of us, uh, sharing our personal life with others is a hurdle, something we have to get past. And I think having a value on being willing to be intimate, letting myself be known by somebody else and then inviting them in. Um, I love how you brought up the idea that in seminary you were taught about RPMs. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think uh, John Wesley in the Methodist tradition was trying to do the very same thing. With just a series of questions, how can we together uh, grow in, in Christ? So he came up with a series of questions. And uh, J. Oswald Sanders has a mm -hmm. series of questions. So I think asking questions of, of each other and inviting people in, into conversation is good. Uh, in, in the navigator world, we are known for a lot of different discipling disciplines. And so I think uh, memorizing scripture is a wonderful spiritual discipline, not for the knowledge itself, but it helps get the Bible into us, mm -hmm. down into our hearts. You know, uh, Lord, you are my desire. Your word is in my heart. David would say. Uh, so that would be a practice that some folks can do. Uh, others like the idea of setting up an annual uh, read through my Bible. For me, I actually have a, uh, in, in my Bible, I have a list of all the books and all the chapters just on a two-sided piece of paper that fits inside my Bible. And I tick off the different charts that I, or different chapters that I read as I go go through it. And then I'll find after a year or so, Gee, I never read Job. I never read Ecclesiastes. I didn't touch the minor prophets. And so that helps me to see where I've been mm -hmm. and then to go back through there. But again, I'm, you're looking at a solitary man that I love doing things by, by myself. Mm -hmm. So uh, for me, a discipline would be doing things in community, like having dinners with folks and having uh, deep conversations with friends. Um, I have a tendency, maybe a lie that I believe, that you really don't need to know what I have to say. So I'll work on drawing you out. And but it's okay if I'm if I'm not asked. And and I've got to learn, no, 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 no. What I have to offer is just as important mm -hmm. as what you have to offer. Not in a prideful way, but I have folks tell me, Steve, if you don't bring who you are to the table, we are missing someone. Wow. And I have a hard time believing that. So I often won't bring people in to, to the con conversation. Mm -hmm. JM and I talked about this concept of there being upstream practices and downstream practices. And a downstream practice would be something that comes easy to you and who you are. And, and uh, if you're JM, that idea of meeting with some other people to ask some questions, that's, that's a downstream practice. That's something he likes easy to do. Upstream is something that goes, wow, that's, that's going to make me uncomfortable or is going to push me out of my comfort zone. And you just got to describe that for you. And I, I, I'm seeing that there's value in both mm -hmm. of those things in my life. And one of the most fun things about this phase of my life, the last few years, 
is there are practices I've been doing for 30 years that I kind of just treat it as those are my downstream practices. I just do them. I still like those. But in the last few years, I've had a chance to kind of shake some things up and encounter some new practices uh, for me, practices of prayer, mm-hmm. um, practices of um, just really sitting in the presence of God. These are things that, that were new practices to me that are upstream. They're hard for me. But in both of these, the downstream and the upstream, there's there's great value. God speaks in, I mean, it's one of the things in scripture, right? He speaks in the earthquake and he speaks in the still small voice. And mm-hmm. so trying the upstream practices, which are difficult for us, allows God to kind of come in from a different angle and, and speak to us. Interpreting upstream is kind of, is harder for me, mm-hmm. but downstream is easier for, mm-hmm. for me. So I like the idea of maybe seasoning our times with the Lord with some upstream things. And um, a thought I had is I'm warming up to the topic, even as we talk, a lot of times we talk about fasting. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't fast because I'm hypoglycemic. I also think things like uh, listening prayer, because when we pray, uh, it's often me telling the Lord, which is wonderful because we are told to do that, to share our praises, share our confessions, share our requests and our burdens and our our burdens and needs. And also, uh, we often don't do the other side of the equation of just taking time to listen. Mm -hmm. Father, do you have something you want to say to me this this morning? or this, this afternoon, or this this night. So even taking the time to just not me talk, but in silence, Father, would you speak to me in that still small voice? I think for a lot of us, um, uh, we're all wounded in different ways. And uh, for some people, it's more obvious. For, other, for others of us, we hide it better. Um, and so even getting in touch with the Lord, Father, uh, how do you want to use the wounds in my life? Where am I wounded? And how does that color? How I view you, myself, others, the world. Um, as a result of my wounding, Father, what have I come to believe about you, myself, the world? Um, and often what we've come to believe is lies. So part of spiritual formation is learning what lies have I been embracing through through my life. Mm-hmm. But to be willing to journey into discovering that uh, for for yourself. That isn't a spiritual practice in the classic sense, but it is a spiritual discipline in the sense of what could help my soul to grow. Now, I would imagine that it is um, it's periods of rest where the pace has slowed or the margin has been increased or you've been able to rest. And, for example, in those Sabbath days when you're not out there planting the field and you're sitting there going, what? you have more space to begin to consider these kinds of things. Like we just, I I don't know that we have a lot of time in our life when we are so frantic or we're always on or we're always on our phone or whatever, um, that we, we don't have space to begin to think about things like how am I wired? Uh, what are these lies I'm believing? We just don't have time to think about those things. Mm -hmm. They're not, they're not on our plate. They're important, but they're not urgent. Maybe that's the whole point of, why God spends so much time talking about the Sabbath. It's because he's talking to, right? He's talking to a group of people. He has just brought out of slavery into the middle of nowhere. For them, Sabbath is not urgent. It's important, but it's not immediate. Mm -hmm. Where am I going to get my food? I got that covered. Where am I? No, I've got that covered too. Rest. 
Jesus in the Gospels talks a lot about the Sabbath. The Sabbath wasn't made for man, but man for the Sabbath. And he spends a lot of time talking about resting in God, whether it's the analogy of the birds in the field or the lilies in the field or all of these different things who can, who can through worry add but one, you know, year to his life or one hair to his head or one cubic to his height. And you're like, well, all right, well, when you put it like that, maybe these things that I think are urgent but not important really aren't as, as big or as looming as we think they may be. This is why I, I appreciated you were describing the Ten Commandments as, hey, these are about how we approach God. This, these second ones are about how we approach others, but then there's this one that's how we approach ourselves. And it's weird because all for most of my life, I would have kind of lumped the Ten Commandments into two categories. You know, the first four mm-hmm. are about God, and then these other ones are about other how we treat other people. And I would have put that Sabbath one in that, well, this is about God. This is about what God needs. And I, I don't know why I missed where Jesus tried to explain that to me and said, no, 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 God didn't create you for the Sabbath. The Sabbath is for you. This is for you. And I just, but it wasn't a message that I, I really internalized. And so yeah. kind of this thought that Sabbath was another box you need to check to, to please God, to earn his favor instead of it being something to go, wow, why would God, why would God want this from me? Thomas, you were talking about sometimes we're so busy when we don't rest that we don't have time to think of the larger questions or perspectives and how am I doing? One of the things about rest is it helps us to slow down and to be ready for God's interruptions in inner life. Um, you didn't ask this question yet, but one of the things I thought of is I had a, a Lauren Sani, who led the navigators for several years, came to my desk one day and I was surprised he even knew my name. Mm-hmm. He says, Steve, how are you doing? How are things going with sabbaticals? He knew I was doing sabbaticals. I was quite surprised. He sat down and says, Steve, let me tell you the greatest lesson I ever learned. I need to live my life at 80% of my capacity with the freedom to kick it up to 100 120% when I have to, and then give myself permission to come back down to 80% of my capacity. And I think uh, there's lots of ahas in that statement of what he said. One is living at 80%, not 100%. What, am I to be a sluggard? A lot of us think that. Well, we have baked into early American culture, the, you know, God helps those who helps themselves. If, yes. if you work hard, you'll be blessed. And that's a sign of favor. And that just talk about core, core wounds that some of us never, never address. That's right. Yeah. That's right. With the idea of going at 80%, the idea is there's space to hear God's voice. But when you're going at 100%, you're going at 100%. You've got all you got going in there. It's almost like riding a bicycle and trying to have a conversation. And the wind's whipping past your ear. And you can sometimes turn your ear into the wind to be able to hear. But if you just stop the bike, you could have a conversation. And so just that idea of living at 80 per percent and then giving ourselves permission, which we're very willing to kick it up to 100 percent, 120. But what happens if you don't give, if he would say, if you don't give ourselves permission to come back to 80 percent, is that 120 percent becomes our new benchmark. Mm. Then we try to kick it up from 120 to, in reality, 150, but we think it's now 110. Right. And then we live our life that way without having an opportunity to maybe do a little self-reflection and a little bit of faith to, well, Father, what is 80% of my capacity? Let me, by faith, live like like that. Because when we live at 80%, 
it does give us the opportunity for the interruptions God brings into my life. But if we can live our lives at a little slower pace, then that actually helps us have more time for the things that God wants to bring toward us. Mm. And I'm one of those guys that struggles with coming back down mm. to 80%. Per, percent. Yeah, I would, uh, I would agree. This Sabbath is one of those upstream practices for me. So a resource that was really helpful for me, if you're, uh, I'm an extrovert, but I'm also that person who loves to study. It's not a, it's not a dense book. So don't, I'm not, I'm not giving a giant textbook, but Sabbath as resistance by uh, Walter Bruegemann. Uh, the little subtitle is saying no to the culture of now. And it, it was a formative book for me and kind of understanding not so much what the importance of rest is to God, but what God was trying to say to me as this is why this is important for you. God doesn't need us to rest, right? God is infinite. Whereas for us, we toil, we labor, we work towards these things. And so from the start of creation for God to say, hey, rest was baked in. It wasn't something that came later. It was part of the original plan. It, it took a long time for me to internalize a lot of that. As I was talking to uh, some friends about uh, rest, some of our younger staff in the Navigator said, uh, our problem isn't rest the way you're framing it, Steve. Our problem is busyness. And she recommended a couple books. One was Addicted to Busy mm. by a guy mm. named uh, Brady Boyd. And then there's an, another book called Crazy Busy by Kevin DeYoung. And uh, it's, that got me thinking the way we approach it might be a little bit different. My generation likes to talk about rest and it, it uh, resonates with where they're at. It might be as we talk to different generations, talking about what does it mean to be addicted to busyness? Mm -hmm. What does it mean that busyness is taking over our life? And that could be an avenue as we try to communicate a Sabbath idea or a rhythm mm -hmm. of how we live our life. I'm actually in a season of life right now where I, I kind of had figured out what boundaries had looked like when I had a certain role. Okay. And I knew what, what, what off time would look like. And I'm a person that's like, I like to work, work, work. And I also like to rest, rest, rest. So, um, and in this phase of life I'm in right now, I've actually got three things on my plate that are constantly tugging at me. And so, um, I have an office, uh, at a, at a building, I have an office in my home. And right now it's just this weird thing of I'm, I'm switching gears often between these three things. Yeah. I'm, I'm in that space you're talking about, Steve, where I've ramped up to 120 and there's not margins between them. There's an old resource that's been updated. It's called Margin by Dr. Richard Swenson, if you ever encountered that. I love that book. And he's talking about the overloadedness of our lives. And it, it's really fascinating because he gets into how uh, there used to be a day if you were going to travel to Europe, you would get on a boat and you would take two or three months, whatever, to get over there. And now you're taking six hours to yeah. get there. You would have all that space in your time, in your life that you just kind of had forced margins in your life. Or you would get in your car and you would just drive to work. And now we're getting in our car and either, every stoplight, we're sending an email or I'm doing a voice thing or whatever. And there's just, there are no breaks in my day. There are these no moments of just margin. And so it's a really interesting resource on how do you begin to build margins in your life when, without just saying, I not work. I mean, yeah. how do you, how do you build these boundaries and it's self-leadership and boundaries like you're talking about? These. We're removing these, these places that have been natural margins for us, natural boundaries in the name of productivity. And so we're, we're, we're pushing out all of the areas which have, have been refuges of rest for us 
well, if the whole world is a place where we can work, what does that leave us? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I love how you guys talked about boundaries. Mm-hmm. And in our electronic age, in fact, all three of us sitting around here have been using our phones mm-hmm. at different times. I have a, an iPad that I've looked at. And um, in Kevin DeYoung's book, Crazy Busy, he uses a phrase called acedia. And uh, it basically means not slothfulness, but just vanilla. What happens is we spend so much screen time that it actually affects us and it takes passion out of life. And so one of the ways that a boundary was how do we set boundaries with our electronics, hmm. with our phone, with our mm-hmm. email, with our I- iPads. Uh, just the the light, of, and I don't know if it's the alpha waves or what it's called, but even the light impacts our brains. Mm-hmm. And we have a whole generation coming up where they're one uh, title for that generation is screeners mm-hmm. that they've been raised on screens i have an 18 month old grandson that knows how to work his mom's iphone you know he can turn it on and find stuff and uh, find movies at 18 months can, can he help me i, I, <laughs> I have this need over i lost a, an app and i don't know how to get it back <laughs> so one of the things with the idea of acedia and the idea of boundaries is how can we help people assess their hurry sickness? And that's one of the things that he talks about in his book, that we actually have a sickness. And we're uh, we're addicted to hurry. Mm-hmm. And then when I don't hurry, it's like I'm not important. And we struggle with yeah. our self there. How you doing? Busy, busy, busy. And then mm-hmm. we can talk. But if you tell me, oh, I'm just resting in Jesus, there's silence. I don't know how to interact with you on that. I just... You know, but we can go back and forth on our busyness. Mm-hmm. What'd you do today? Nothing. That's not, there's a shame attached to that. There is. I catch myself struggling sometimes with wanting to talk about what I did today in terms of or who are you trying to who are, Yeah, who are you trying to impress? I, I get that. Well, oh. it's, uh, it's, it's the number one question guys ask each other within the first two minutes of meeting each other. Well, what do you do? Yes. I need to rank yes. myself. I need to understand where we fit in together in society. And it's like, that's a weird thing to place our identities in. That's, an, that's really interesting to think about even culturally. You know, when we, we look at America, we've got a 40-hour work week and you can have maybe two weeks vacation a year. And then you go to France and they're like, well, we, we take two months vacation a year. Mm-hmm. And you go, oh, well, clearly you're not a very productive. Oh, you're, you're just as productive. Like, how does that work? Yeah. And we're trying to figure that out. And then you... Uh, you look at America, then you look at some place like Japan, uh, where they have the the kinds of things where you can rent beds, uh, and not like even a ho- like the size of a coffin, kind of like yeah, it's the just coffin a sleeping hotel. cubicle, you know, yeah. because um, you don't want to waste that time to go all the way home and go to bed and, and get back up. That you could squeeze in three more hours of work if you just stayed at the cubicle, and yeah. it's a, it's a value of the culture, and yeah. it's not healthy. No, but are all dealing with this in different ways. We really are. I have one more thing I'd like to share. It's just a passage. I think a passage that's helpful uh, for people to understand boundaries. And uh, another word would be limitations. And a word used in this passage I'm about to read is called spheres. And this is out of 2 Corinthians 10, starting in verse 12 to the end of the chapter. We do not dare to classify or compare ourselves with some who commend themselves. When they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves, They are not wise. We, however, will not boast beyond proper limits, but will confine our boasting to the sphere of service God himself has assigned to us, a sphere that also includes you. We are not going too far in our boasting 
as would be the case if we had not come to you, for we did get as far as you with the gospel of Christ. Hmm. Neither do we go beyond our limits by boasting of work done by others. Our hope is that, as your faith continues to grow, our sphere of activity among you will greatly expand, so that we can preach the gospel in the regions beyond you. For we do not want to boast about work already done in someone else's territory, but let the one who boasts boast in the Lord. For it is not the one who commends himself who is approved, but the one whom the Lord commends. Now, I'm just struck out of this passage. There are limits, there are spheres, there are proper boundaries that Paul himself in, embraced. And I just share this passage as kind of an encouragement to us who struggle with limits that Paul himself understood that God gave him a sphere that he was to operate in. And beyond that, was outside of his sphere. Yeah. One of my favorite things that's driven me on this topic for a lot of my life is hearing uh, Chuck Swindoll one time in seminary. He was, he was teaching. And he says, I hear people say, I'd rather flame out than rust out for God. I'd rather flame out than rust out for God. And he said, and I'm thinking, I don't want to be out. Man, I want to be in. I want, I want to be in this thing. Why are people always talking about being out? And so that was his way of kind of introducing this topic of, of really um, having good boundaries and margins and limits in your life and, and ways that you're going to follow mm -hmm. God. And I, I really think it does come down to a stewardship issue um, that God has given us this life. And we started earlier talking about the talents that people had, you know, Matthew 25, the three servants with talents that God's given us uh, things in life and we want to steward those well. We want to steward our relationships. We want to steward our health. We want to steward our money and our, and we want to steward our time. And I think uh, rest is just something that I'm hoping people that are listening are going, wow, that I need to think more about with God. What does it look like to steward the rest that he's given and, and is calling for in my life? This has been a great conversation. I really am excited that we got three got to talk about this together. And uh, Steve, thank you for being with us. You're sure welcome. We're continuing to grow and learn. Mm -hmm. Amen. I really hope that the conversation that we've had today around this table is sparking some conversations around the tables in your life as, as you are talking with people that you love about this issue of rest and what energizes you and how much further you could go with your RPMs ratcheted down to the level that God wants. So uh, until next time, please know that you are always welcome to the table. Mm -hmm.